Okay, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, looking at 27 through the end of the chapter. I put in the thing through 30, but it's through 31. There's a, uh, for us, a little-known character in church history. He was well-known in his time, but uh, he's not well-known in our time, by the name of Raymond Lull, sometimes known as Lully, sometimes spelled L-U-L-L, or L-L-U-L-L, or L-U-L-L-I. It's like, you know, and, and just as there's differences in the spelling of his name, nobody really knows for sure today how you transliterate that, that name, uh, there's differences in how he died. And, and uh, he was, um, he lived in the 1200s and, and into the 1300s. And, and he lived at a time when most of Europe was going to war in the, with Muslims in, over Jerusalem, and you know, the time of the Crusades. Uh, he lived in that time, but he uh, did not want to go to war with the Muslims. He wanted to evangelize them. And while, while Europe is, most of Europe is going to, to Jerusalem to fight, he was going to North Africa to preach. And uh, uh, he was kicked out twice from Tunis, or at least what's Tunis today, Tunisia, uh, and uh, he was kicked out twice uh, because he, now this guy was, he's, he was the full meal deal as near as I can tell. He was a philosopher. He was, he was just highly, very intelligent. He was a writer. He was, he was all sorts of things. Uh, and there are different stories about his death. One account says he went to Tunis for the third time and was kicked out again and died on the ship home. He was in like 84, something like that in his, his, his 80s. And uh, all accounts say he was in his 80s. There's no question about that. Uh, and he died on the ship ride home. Others say that he was stoned to death while he was there in Tunis uh, preaching uh, to, to the Muslims. My favorite account, though, is the one that says he wanted to be a martyr. And as he was getting older, he realized his time was coming and he was afraid he might die naturally. So he went to Tunis and preached until they stoned him to death. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm not sure what I'm going. I'm not sure what to think of this guy. You know, I tell the kids at school all the time, I said, I want to die a martyr. And why do I want to die a martyr? Bragging rights. I want bragging rights. It's like, when I get to heaven, I want bragging rights. I don't want to say, well, I, I slipped on a bar of soap in the shower. You know, I, it's like, it's, I don't want that story. I don't want to go to heaven and say I, I died uh, hiding. I, I wanna, but when you go to heaven, anyway, what, what was his motivation? I don't know. But, but uh, my thought is bragging rights. But when we get to heaven... Bottom line, there will be no bragging rights. There is one God, one Savior, one faith. Uh, today's passage just, just hits that, drives it clear. Faith eliminates all boasting, that all people are justified the same. The law, the, 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 the law matters for one reason, because it drives us to faith in Christ. So let me read the passage, and we'll come back. Verse 27, where then is boasting? It has been excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? 
Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we nullify the law through faith? Far from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. And that last paragraph feels out of place, but I'll, by the time we get there, I'll tell you why it's not. So first thing, verses 27 and 28, faith eliminates boasting. Boasting. This is kind of confusing because where does boasting come into the picture when we're talking about salvation? Uh, uh, boasting sounds weird in our modern Christian circles, I think, but I'm going to show you that it's really not. Uh, first, we want to recognize that, that, that boasting brings a lot of cohorts with it. You know, closely associated, not exactly boasting, but things that we can recognize. And when we start recognizing them, we start saying, oh, maybe there is a problem with this thing here. Because some of the things that are related to boasting that come along with it, pride, superiority, smugness, arrogance. You see, boasting doesn't have to be someone saying it's better. It can be simply an attitude of betterness. Uh, like, uh, uh, and, and in the church, uh, either within one church like this or more likely within the entire church, it's easy to get an attitude that, that I am better, we are better, something like that, a superiority kind of thing. And boasting has no place within the church. Uh, but here's the thing, if you start thinking of a merit-based salvation, as in I deserve to be saved, all of a sudden boasting is right there. As soon as you start thinking, uh, I have done something that adds to my salvation or brings about my salvation, all of a sudden there is, some, there is room for boasting, and it is going to come in. And it should not be there, but it is. If you are saved by keeping the law, then you have room to boast. If you are better saved by keeping the law, like, like yeah, yeah, and, and I like to, I, I think of that, you know, I think of uh, um, my, one of my Bible college profs used to say, bikini Christians, they get in, but just barely, <laughs> you know, as opposed to the person who's walking in dressed in the white robe of righteousness, this guy just kind of walks in, you know, in his spiritual speedo, and, uh, <laughs> Now, I think, I think few of us here are guilty of that kind of thinking. But, but we could easily be guilty of religious snobbery, and it has no place in the church. And, he, and the law doesn't remove boasting. Faith does. Imagine, imagine a big room of people, a big room in heaven, with people milling about. They're, they're waiting for something, and there's, there's hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people in this room, and, and, and there, there's this OCD administrator there, you know, who says, you know, we need to organize this mess. Let's organize in, in, in line of best Christian to worst Christian. And, and, and so people start comparing themselves and, and saying, you know, I, I got this, and so I said, well, I went to this church. You know, in that church, if you go to that church, then you know you're really some. Oh, yeah, well, well, I was a missionary. Oh, yeah? Well, I knew Billy Graham. <laughs> and then this big, powerful, mellow voice with a slight Tennessee drawl comes out and says, Well, I am Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> and then these 12 guys in robes walk up. <laughs> and everybody gets out of the way because of these 12 guys. And then a little girl steps up and she says, to, she, she looks at one of, any one of the, the above and she says, how did you get to heaven? 
He says, faith in Christ. And then she walks to the next one. Well, how did you get to heaven? Faith in Christ. How did you get to heaven? Faith in Christ. Right? It doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham or one of the 12 apostles or if you went to that church. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. Absolutely irrelevant. There's one thing to get you into heaven. It is faith in Jesus Christ. And it removes all boasting. There is no room for boasting in the church. When every answer is faith, where is boasting? And by the way, there is no other answer. There is no other answer. It is faith. It is faith. What do we read here? He says, he says, where then is boasting? It has been excluded. That word excluded caught my eye, my attention. To shut out. To shut out. Uh, really, what really caught my, it caught my ear. Because I, I, I do, you know, here I'm, if you walk in and I'm preparing the message, you'll hear me saying, execlesthe, execlesthe, <laughs> trying to get this down. And I'm going, ecclesia, ecclesia. Now, some of you go, ecclesia, I know that word. Some of you say, I don't know that word, but you might know that word because ecclesia is the word that is always translated church. And when you read to the church in Corinth, it is to the ecclesia in Corinth. When you read to the church in Ephesus, it is to the ecclesia in Corinth, or Ephesus. And, and ecclesia, the word means called out. And this word is, uh, it's exe, ecclesia, called out, shut out. Wow. So close, these two words, and yet so miles apart. And in the church of those who are called out, the, the, the boasting is shut out. Put out the door, the door is locked, and you can't get back in. You are shut out. So, I meant to turn a page on my notes. I turned a page on my Bible. <laughs> I could get lost that way. We're not called out. Boasting is not called out. It's shut out. The door is locked. The fact that we are saved by faith removes Boasting. There is no room for boasting. There is no room for arrogance from us. And if we find it here, something is wrong. And if you find it in you, something is wrong. And, and here's the thing about it is that it is so insidious. Uh, it, it, it finds its way in. And you can shut it out. And you can find out somehow it got back in the door. <laughs> somehow it came back in. It's supposed to be shut out, but somehow it gets back in. You have to consciously shut it out and remind yourself, I am saved by faith. I am saved by faith and nothing else. And I am not such a good Christian that God needs me. Uh, I, I am not the one that, that is different. Uh, in, in all honesty, and, and when I say this, I recognize this is pervasive. We all are, maybe I'm not being fair. Maybe I only see it in me and I impose it on everybody else. But I, I'll do that and you can, if I'm wrong, you can just resent me. <laughs> we all have a tendency to see ourselves bigger and better than we are. We tend to become important people 
in our own minds and our own lives. And we, we start, we, we make comparisons. And the funny thing is, is when we make comparisons, we come out better than the other person. I had an interesting, interesting phenomenon this week because we had the dad joke contest. Tyson won. Boo. I mean, no. <laughs> I go home, the grandkids say, Papa, you should have won. I'm going, you're right. I went to someone else. I said, hey, who did your kids say should have won? My dad. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people went home, and everybody's telling them, you should have won. <laughs> you were the best. Apparently, Tyson was the best. I, you know, it's like, man, I hate to admit that. But he walked away with, actually, did you win anything at all with that? Burger King crown. <laughs> By the way, the chili trophies were, were very cool uh, if you weren't there for that. And, and they were posted with the mailer thing I put out, so hopefully you can see them. But, you know, my chili was good enough to win one of those. It just didn't. I don't understand. <laughs> you know, we could, in, in my mind, it was good. Apparently, it wasn't that good in the judges' minds. <laughs> But in my mind, you see what I'm saying? And here's the reality, is, is when we start making these comparisons and we start looking really good in our comparisons, we're the only ones. We're the only ones who see it that way. We are building ourselves up and boasting where there is really no room for boasting at all. And, and we're so missing the point. And it's such a shame when we miss the point and we start seeing the importance of ourselves and not the importance of Jesus Christ. We miss the one who actually does save us because we're so busy looking at what thing we think we have to contribute to that. Here's what we have to contribute to that, need. We can contribute our need to that. And then he says, verse 28, because, you know, why is there no boasting? Where then is boasting? It has been excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, of works invites boasting. Uh, no, not of works, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And, and it's, just, it's just that simple. This is, this is an authoritative statement. It's a declarative statement. We maintain, we hold to, we keep this position. We will not be moved from this position. And by the way, it's not we because we are stubborn and we decide we're going to believe it whether it's right or not. This is what the Bible says. We meaning the Bible. <laughs> To maintain that a man is saved by faith apart from works of the law. Now we get to 29 and 30 because there's one God and one salvation. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith is one. Is he the God of the Jews only? This is a mistake some Jews made. Many Jews made that mistake of thinking he's the God of the Jews. But you know, the book of Jonah should have fixed that because the Ninevites were, Nineveh was the capital of the enemy of the Jews. They were at war. These people hated each other. And God says, Jonah, go preach to those people. And Jonah, what was his reason for running? Not because he just didn't want to, because he was afraid God would be merciful. And he didn't want God to be merciful to the people of Nineveh. He wanted God to punish the people of Nineveh. But he knew God, the same God who loved the Jews, who blessed the Jews, and who made the Jews his chosen people, he would save Nineveh too. 
Any, any, anybody who didn't understand God was the God of the Gentiles also, the book of Jonah should have fixed that. And if that didn't fix it, the book of Daniel should have fixed it. Daniel chapter 4 is, is one of the most interesting things. i got to find the right direction. Uh, one of the most interesting things about Daniel 4 is the author of Daniel 4. Daniel 4 starts with these words. Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages who live in the earth. May your peace be great. I am pleased to declare the signs and miracles that the Most High God has done for me. Daniel chapter 4 is written by Nebuchadnezzar. What? What? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile king. And he, he addresses it to who? He says, to all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages who live in the earth. See, if, if you didn't think God was the God of the whole world, look at what Daniel had to say to you. Look at what Jonah had to say to you. He should wipe all those things out. But then we get to the New Testament, and even in the New Testament, we have Judaizers running around telling Christians, oh, if you want to be saved, you've got to become a Jew first. You've got to be circumcised. You have to follow the law. You have to do all these things. Uh, we find it in Acts. The whole reason for the book of Galatians was, was the false teaching of, of, of legalism to the Jewish people, and it had no place there. It did not belong there, and, and, and that's why that book was written. The Jews are God's chosen people, but he is not the God of the Jews only. It doesn't have to be a one or an, a, this only thing. They, it is both and. God has a chosen people, but God loves all people. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes! He is the God of the Gentiles too. God has always loved the Gentiles. Do you know a funny thing? God didn't start loving the Gentiles in John 3.16. It's like, it's like God said, John 3.16, for, so, for God changed his mind and so loved the world. <laughs> It's not what it says. It's saying a truth that has always been true. It has never not been true that God loved the world so much. He has always loved the Gentiles. In Jesus, God brings salvation to all the people he loves, both Jews and Gentiles, and he does it the same way for both. There is no boasting. There is no unevenness in any of this. There is one God who justifies people in the same way, and they come to him with the same faith. You know, most games... <laughs> Thank you for being here today, Noah. Raise your hand. Grandson Noah. Did not especially care for T-ball. I don't know. You, you probably don't remember this. T-ball, you line up, you hit the ball off the tee, you run to first base, except nobody gets put out. And then you go to second base. Nobody, everybody scores. And Noah's walking to first. And we're all yelling, run, run. He says, why? They won't put me out. <laughs> Do you remember that at all? He doesn't, you can ask Nana. Oh, she's not in here. So <laughs> you have to ask your parents. Do they remember that? Because I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Sucker, show you to show up here. <laughs> it's like, what difference does it make? We, uh, normally, a game where everybody wins, I'm sorry, ladies. No, I shouldn't say that. So. <laughs> oh, I get myself in so much trouble. Uh, I'm sorry, preschool teachers. <laughs> 
I want a game where someone wins and someone loses. I want a game, in fact, I want a dad joke contest where only one guy wins, even if it is Tyson. <laughs> Ken Horner won the best chili, Mike got the hottest, and Dwayne Olwine got the most unique ingredient. Anybody not hear what that was? Bobcat. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I posted that and then I thought, I wonder if that's legal. <laughs> no idea. If he goes to jail, it's my fault. So, um, but, but that's what he gets. But, you know, we, we had winners. And, and by the way, all of us who weren't winners, we were losers. We lost. But you know what? I would, I would rather lose that than have a contest where we all won. I'm sorry. It's like, I'm not trying next time. But when it comes to getting into heaven, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll thank God that we don't have to compete for that. Yeah, it is a gift that he gives us. You know, there are a lot of different people in this world with an awful lot of distinctions. Different languages, different cultures, different value systems, different beliefs. They eat different food. They have different kinds of government. They like different music. Have you ever listened to music from a country where they say, here's our traditional music, and you listen to that, and you wonder why in the world they call it music? I mean, some, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, being Scottish, bagpipes. <laughs> Who invented those? <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I've heard bagpipe music that was actually not bad, but... Uh, <laughs> Or, or, or some of these oriental squeaky things that are traditional. I'm going, they call that music? Uh, but they like it. It's, it's, we like different things. We're di the differences between people are amazing. But there is one verdict for all. Sinner. And there is one God who loves all. And there is one Savior, Jesus, who died for all. And there is one avenue to faith, in, one avenue to reach him, and that is faith. There is one God who is God of all. And we look at this last verse. He says, last, oh, I'm in Daniel 4. It's not working. Do we nullify the law through faith? Far from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. Everything I said about faith does not nullify the law. And that can sound bizarre and contrary. You go, but, but you've just said the law doesn't matter and, and because it, we're saved by faith, absolutely by faith, not by works of the law. It, it sounds, sounds like there's a fresh new paragraph, a fresh new idea, new thought, something like that, but it's not. It's a summary statement of everything we've looked at. Look back to verses 19 uh, through 21 of chapter 3 still, Romans. <clears throat> now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, 
so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, none of mankind will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And you hear that one word, law, 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 law. It just keeps coming up. It keeps coming up and coming up. And then we, ju- we, we don't hear it till we get to verse 31. Do we nullify the law through faith? Far be it. On the contrary, we establish the law. All this talking we've had talked about faith does not nullify the law. In verses 19 and 20, the law holds us accountable and declares a sinner. In verse 21, the righteousness, righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law. When we get to verse 31, it completes the thought that started 12 verses earlier, and he's continuing on the same, same line of thought. And the teaching is not that faith nullifies the law. Faith establishes the law. Faith says, absolutely, the law is right. Faith does not say, so you know what? Don't worry about the law. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying we need to go be, live according to a law. What I'm saying is we need to recognize we establish the law because we say we are condemned by the law. And if we were not condemned by the law, then faith would not be necessary. If we were not condemned by the law, then faith would, would not have its important place in our lives. It's, it, when, we read these, when we read these faith nullifying the law kind of idea, it, it's, it's like somebody found a loophole around the law that nullifies the law. And that's why we're all saved, because there's this great loophole that's been found. No loophole has been found. No loophole has been found. He says, oh no, the law is real. And the law is relevant. And the, and, and the teaching is not that faith nullifies the law, but it establishes it. How does it work? How does faith establish the law? Faith is here because the law is real. If the law was not real, we would not need faith. If the law was not real, we'd just get to go to heaven without faith because there's nothing that condemns us. But because there is something real that condemns us, we need to be saved, and it can't be the law because that's what condemns us. There is a very real, powerful, and inescapable law that declares me a sinner. And as a sinner, I am condemned to hell. And a loving God paid the price of my guilt and sin and makes salvation available to me through faith. And faith says it's all real. Faith confirms the law. Faith saves me from that sentence of the law. So we come around again. There'll be no bragging rights in heaven because there's not one of us, I don't care if you are Billy Graham or one of the apostles, <laughs> right? You don't deserve to be there. You don't deserve to be there. I don't deserve to be there. The person next to you doesn't deserve to be there. I'm sorry, your grandmother doesn't deserve to be there. Everybody says, leave my grandma alone. <laughs> doesn't matter how good you are, how smart you are, how insightful you are, or how close you are on the other end to just barely squeaking in. <laughs> that person is just barely getting in, is getting in every bit as much as the guy who has served him his whole life. Because we're getting in not by what we do, but by what Jesus Christ has done for us. All praise, glory, and honor go to Jesus, the one who saves us through faith. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you for this avenue of salvation you've given us. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that we are not compelled to do good works, but we are free to do good works. I thank you that we are saved by faith and absolutely saved by faith. And if anybody here, Lord, has not trusted you, that you would open their eyes to see they need to show that faith, to place their faith in you. 
I ask your blessing on each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.